Hey, hey, welcome back to Good Girl Complex. I left you with a slight cliffhanger last time. Can I pull off a cliffhanger or is it like a middle part in hair? Works great for some, but not everyone. For now, let's say the cliffhangers can stay, but my metaphors could use some polishing. So just to recap real quick, I was adopted. Yay, things were great. Sure, I had some emotional baggage that was just a little too big to fit in the overhead bin, but I was working through it. Where I struggled, though, is I kept feeling like I was trying to put together this puzzle that is my life that was missing some key pieces. For some people, these pieces may seem unimportant, but for me, it was becoming harder and harder to ignore. I really don't like open endings. Never have. Like the end of Inception or a bunch of thriller type books. I don't want to discuss possible meanings or endings or or what could happen next. I want everything to be tied up nicely. I want the writers to tell me all I need to know. I guess I'm I'm lazy like that. This felt like the reverse, an open beginning. For all I knew, the stork that brought the Grinch and all those other Who kids could have brought me too. No one was really telling me otherwise. My birth parents were a complete and total mystery to me. I had their first names and that's it. That's all I knew about them. It's one of those things where the logical side of me doesn't care. I mean, how many of us remember are emotionally affected by our own births or the first month of our lives? But another side of me, mainly born out of curiosity, really wanted to find those missing pieces. For years, people have asked me if I had plans to contact my birth parents. I've never had an answer. If I do, what if I find out that they suck? Or what if they're like actually psychos? Like, What if they hate puppies or think, yeah, fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are great, but I prefer if they're a few weeks old? Like what? Or even better if they're like, yeah, sweets are cool, but broccoli is better. Or if they're one of those people that think the office isn't that funny. Like I I just can't vibe with any of that. On the other hand, what if they're actually awesome, but I don't reach out? What if I got my curly hair and love of ballet from my mom? What if I got my dad's sense of humor? What if I had a little sister or brother? And what if I end up missing out on all of that. So I'm clearly really great at creating very specific what-ifs. And because there are literally infinite possibilities, I've always been intimidated and a little afraid, honestly, to the point of inaction. In theory, I knew that they were probably somewhere between my best and worst case scenarios. But on a scale of one to your snack getting stuck in the vending machine, I wasn't ready to figure out where exactly things landed on my disappointment meter. So I did nothing. Waves of curiosity would motivate me. I'd fill out papers to find them and then promptly throw them out. I did my own online sleuthing, but stopped that too. Okay, that's not the whole truth on that one. Take it from me. It's not like finding an ex on Instagram. It is actually incredibly hard to find someone when you only have their first name, a name that also has multiple common spellings, and a general area they were almost 30 years ago. I looked on social media, I tried finding birth certificates from the county I was born in, and do you know how many leads I found? Let's just say it was less than the number of Super Bowl rings Aaron Rodgers has. 
So it was zero. I think that there was always a little piece of me that was relieved when my searches came up empty. My curiosity was very real, but that logical side of me knew that curiosity was easier to manage than crushing disappointment. One thing I get frustrated about with myself is my cautiousness. I think I'm a pretty risk-averse person by nature, and when you toss in anxiety, that's pretty much what you get. When I was four, it was not going down the giant slide at the local park. When I was 13, it was going to a ropes course that had this cool big swing. Your team would pull you up, but it was up to you to pull this cord, allowing you to actually swing. My body refused to pull the cord. It just wouldn't do it. Needing to have your team lower you back down is like a next level walk of shame. When I was 18, it was not going to a really good school I had been accepted to because it was far away from my family and my comfort zone. I can obviously go on, but the point is, what if I added not contacting my biological parents to that list one day? Being aware of this internal list I have isn't enough to get rid of it completely, but it is helping me be a bit braver. I did eventually go down that big slide. I returned to the same ropes course a year later and did every single activity, including the giant swing. And huge spoiler alert, I have contacted my birth parents. I'm not perfect. I still bow out of things that scare me. I still have regrets about things I didn't do. But I'll take progress over perfection any day. The funny thing is, though, I never ended up seeking out my birth parents. But I found them anyway. I was 23 when I decided to buy a 23andMe kit. I didn't have any goals or hopes of finding anyone. I just wanted to get some health information and learn about my ancestry. So I do the whole spit in a tube thing, send it back, all that fun stuff. A couple months later, I got the email saying my results were ready. Looking through 23andMe reports was actually so fascinating, and it was comforting to read through the health reports since I had no information related to family history. I flew through the reports, and then I got to the DNA relatives section. I instantly felt excited and cautious and curious and terrified and doubtful and a whole bunch of emotions. I kind of felt like I had the devil and angel type thing going on on my shoulders, except it was curiosity and comfort. Was I curious? Yes. Was I comfortable in the life I had? Also, yes. Clicking that could change everything. Future me jumping in here, it did, in fact, change a lot. But back to this time period. I took a breath and clicked on the report, and nothing happened. Instead, a message appeared asking me to opt into this whole thing. There was some boring information below it, like some sort of terms of agreement or something. I don't know. The type of thing most of us just scroll past as we hit accept. Side note, that was a warning that information on the following screen could cause emotional harm. And if it did, 23andMe was not responsible. Super fun, right? So I hit accept, the page loaded, and all of a sudden, there she was. No, not my birth mom, but it was someone. We had 25% shared DNA. Based on our ages and DNA match, 23andMe guessed that she was an aunt. I suddenly had a first and last name of someone. 
And now my curiosity was like me with bottomless chips and guac in that it just, it could not be stopped. I grabbed the name, typed it into the Facebook search bar, and I found her immediately. She was from and still lived in a town near where I was born. And more interesting, she had a sister listed on her profile that had the same first name as my birth mom. And what's even more interesting, I clicked on my birth mom's name and she had a husband listed with the same first name as my birth father. Thanks to 23andMe and some good old-fashioned Facebook research, which I will use instead of Facebook stalking because it makes me feel less weird, I had two of the missing puzzle pieces in under 10 minutes, no less. But here's a little pro tip for you. Sometimes with answers comes more questions because I then noticed that I was not their only child, but I was their youngest child. Yes, youngest. That's not how adoption is supposed to work. That wasn't how my adoption worked in my brain. The birth parents are supposed to be young and incapable of caring for a child, even one as cute as me. These two were older, at least 30, when they had me, and they had not one but two children before me. Their first was 11 years older than me, and their second less than a year older than me. So maybe they couldn't handle children that close together. See, the questions were already starting. Like, why me? Why did they keep two other daughters and not me? Did the infant version of me do something? I mean, why me? Why had they never reached out? Did my biological sisters know about me? And oh, that's, did I mention, why me? My head kept going to this deep, dark, Mariana Trench type place. I was abandoned at my most helpless, innocent, and pure. I mean, I think I'm an okay person, but nowhere near as docile as I was as a newborn. I don't know that I believe in destiny or fate, but am I destined to be abandoned forever? In my head, I thought from my very beginning, before I even took a breath, much less a step, I was unwanted. I felt like the human embodiment of the extra screw in Ikea furniture. It always feels unexpected and a bit unnerving. At first, you panic, wondering where you went wrong. Then you decide it's probably unnecessary, just overkill. So you give the extra screw to someone who who does need it. Yeah, it works out for everyone, but it's hard to ignore that at one point that screw was a problem. Something that was categorically and completely unwanted, not to mention panic-inducing. Remember, at this point, I didn't have all the puzzle pieces, so I started crafting my own warped, deeply messed up ones. The next day was my cousin's first birthday party, and I was sitting with my mom and one of my aunts and somehow decided that this, this was the perfect time to bring the topic up. I told them the story from the previous day, brought up my biological mom's Facebook, and said to my mom, is this my birth mom? I mean, I have clearly had impeccable timing from the very beginning. My mom did her best to dodge the questions because at least one of us had some sense to not dig into my adoption story at a literal baby's birthday party. 
hi, nice to meet you. I can't read a room. And it shows. After the party, I went back to my parents' house. My parents and I chatted about the whole thing. And yes, it was as awkward as it sounds. They explained that, yes, those were my birth parents I found. And yes, I did have two older biological sisters. To my knowledge at this point, my parents had never, ever kept anything from me. Not my adoption, not my story, and definitely not any embarrassing childhood stories I was trying to deeply repress. But they had made a conscious decision to not tell me everything here. To their credit, they were deeply apologetic and equally as worried about me. I assured them that I was totally fine. Absolutely fine. Nothing wrong at all. And just like that, it was me who wasn't telling the whole truth. At this point, I started feeling kind of angry. Actually, really angry. Of course, there are some things you don't want to know from the beginning. The ending of a good thriller that the baby you see in the airport terminal is going to scream for the entirety of your flight, or the winner on the latest season of The Bachelor. But then there are things that you do want to know from the start. And I think that this was one of those things for me. So yeah, of course there was anger, but it wasn't toward my parents. I understood and respected their decision. My parents are my best friends. I go to them for advice, guidance, support, a dad joke or two when I need cheering up, everything. So I trusted that they had always had the best of intentions. I couldn't trust everyone's intentions in the situation. So the anger wasn't toward my parents. It wasn't even toward the situation as a whole. It was towards one person. And it was towards my birth mom. Now, I don't enjoy saying that. I don't even know why it was aimed at my birth mom more than my birth dad. I think because whenever I thought about my beginning, I mainly pictured her. There's definitely some shame there, but in full transparency, this is just where I was at at the time. My birth mom, someone I believed had my best intentions at heart, had been hurting every day since giving me up, had been missing me. Instead, here she was on Facebook, having what looked like this great, full life with her perfect family. What was it about me that made them think, nope, this child will ruin everything and she has to go immediately? Maybe it's social media filters and curated posts. Maybe it's not. It's hard to say. As I'm recording this, I still don't have any more answers and still haven't had any contact with them. Those puzzle pieces are still missing. Even as I dig this all back up again to tell this story, I'm happy to report that the anger did go away almost as quickly as it came on. That's not to say that I have zero resentment. As flawlessly perfect as I may seem, I'm not. There's a little bit of that floating around, but I definitely feel grateful more than anything. I've always shared my adoption story as proof of happy endings. Like, see, two people going through infertility end up with two children through adoption. And a girl without a family finds three of the most wonderful humans alive. And they all lived happily ever after. Of course, this is just slightly oversimplifying the narrative, just giving it a little gloss. I would absolutely categorize this as a happily ever after, but... Not in the traditional sense. It's not to say that everything is perfect. 
was it a fairy tale ending or was it just life? Disney style fairy tales tend to tell a story the same way some of us posted social media, in that everything is told through those trendy rose colored glasses. Because you know what fairy tales don't usually have? Epilogues, a look into real life. Growing up, my favorite princess was always Cinderella. Now that I'm an old, disillusioned, cynical monster, I see things a little differently. The prince danced wordlessly with a girl for a single song before deciding that he loved her and needed to marry her ASAP. He literally didn't even remember what she looked like. Found the first girl with a size 7 foot and bam, they got married and lived happily ever after. I'm with a stepmom not letting her in the room. Like, babe, this guy is crazy. Just stay upstairs and thank me later. Where's the Harry Potter-esque flash forward? What if Cinderella had two kids before just abandoning her third? We don't know. And just to be clear, I don't count any of those 2000 sequels as canon. Honestly, this episode has gotten away from me just a little bit. To sum up, I found a whole bunch of stuff out unexpectedly, and I was suddenly dealing with a whole bunch of confusion and questions. I learned a big life lesson here. If you read the fine print for life, it reads just like the fine print for airlines. Flight times and just about everything else are subject to change. But one thing I didn't know quite yet, just because you've gone through one hard thing doesn't mean you're immune to more. There are no frequent flyer miles or punch cards for hard things. Sometimes they're BOGO situations. Stay tuned for the next episode. Decisions and Diagnoses. 